Let's talk JMMA with Charlie Jewett from Sogo-Kaku.com. This is a podcast about the deep end of Japanese combat sports scene. I'm your host, Shu Hirata from On the Road Management. Now, let's begin. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Shu. We're in the same time zone. Yes, and we're both in Japan. That's pretty rare. I should have gone to some karaoke box with you to do this on live there. <laughs> but I've been pretty busy. So so let's get dive into the topic, which is Super yeah. Rising 2. Yes. Now, I have a question you... for about this show. Mm-hmm. I noticed that in Japan, when they talk about it, they don't really separate the event into two different shows. Yeah. Now, they treated it as two different shows in the pay-per-view, but they called the whole thing right. Super Rising 2. Yeah. I think in the U.S., so they have like Bellator versus Rising 2 and then the Super Rising 2. Mm-hmm. Is that, I feel like that's the way that kind of got treated differently. But. Right, right. But, you know, as you could see on the first part of the show was a Bellator Japan and they had the flying cage go, you know, went up and they went to the Rising 2. So I think audience knew those are two different shows. Well, I think they also, the tickets were separate as well, I think. Right. Now, so let's talk about uh, the first part of the show, which is the Bellator Japan. Now, mm-hmm. what was your biggest surprise on this show, this part of the show? Well, I mean, clearly the um, your client... Shinya and the Horiguchi fight. I think that was the fight that everyone was looking forward to. Mm-hmm. The main event of the other part of the main event was kind of this last minute fight that got thrown together. So I think people didn't have a lot of high expectations for that. So they're kind of like focusing on this fight. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, because uh, um, you think, but and then, ended up... okay, yeah, yeah. It, it ended so weirdly because I think. Probably on the first combination thrown by Horiguchi in the fight, mm-hmm. he p- poked Shinyu in the eye. Right. And it was over. And you could just feel like the air and the enthusiasm just get sucked out of the arena. Oh, I know. And I, I mean, I think just to clarify here that uh, a lot of fans thinks that um, the, when the referee asks fighter in that situation, they never... He, ask like do you want to fight or not because if you ask fighter if you want to fight 99.99 percent i say yes they will always ask you a question in that situation the jason who was a referee was asking can you see it clearly fully and his answer was no because he couldn't see almost right half of the eyes so he said no i can't see this part of the eyes so the decision to call off a fight was made by a referee based on what doctor and uh, Shinyu said so it's not like he was asked to see if he wants to continue fight or not so but unfortunately a lot of fans lot of, especially the Horiguchi diehard followers uh you know kept sending him and even myself some kind of direct messages criticizing that decision you know yeah we're just to before we even get to that were you like working were you translating for the referee Yes, because mm-hmm. yeah, this this is what happens. I'm a cornerman, but also a pointed translator. So when that thing happened, the fighter goes to neutral corner. They don't come mm-hmm. to the red or blue corner, right? So then the referee talks to him before the doctor comes in. But when the referee talks, he needs the translator. 
So that's when I have to go up on the cage and translate for him. And after I went through a couple of times, the referee decided to call in a doctor for a doctor's check. So at that point, the doctor speaks Japanese, so he'll be speaking to Shinryu in Japanese. But then after that, when Jason asked me to ask Shinryu anything, I asked to go through with me because I'm the translator. So again, the Horiguchi followers are saying, like, I had no business up on that, you know, catwalk. Yeah, that's kind of why I asked people, kind of like, commenting, well, listen, like, what's he doing there? Yeah, because I had to. That's what I do. And you, when you see any of my clients fight in UFC or anywhere else on a situation like that, when you get kicked in the groin or any kind of situation, I'm always called by referee to come up on a catwalk because they have to communicate. It's simple as that. So, yeah. yeah, so they think, you know, decisions are made by me or Shindu or whatever. No, decision to call off a fight is always made by a referee. They are the well, only well, one who can do it, you know? Well, the, in so, the post-fight press conference... Mm-hmm. I mean, Shinyu seems so upset that he wasn't able to fight. Mm-hmm. And he kept talking about like how he wanted to keep fighting. So I don't see right. how like any of the fans could kind of challenge the fact that he didn't want to continue. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. the fact this was a pure accident. It's not his fault at all, right? <laughs> so, and, as you, and I think you did mention that somebody did the research on statistics yeah. on the guys who continue to fight after the poke. Yeah, I don't remember the numbers. I just remember reading an article. I think it was after, it was a long time ago. It was mm-hmm. probably after the Matt Mitrione, Travis Brown fight, mm-hmm. where they talked about how it's probably in your best interest if you actually can't see out of your eye to not continue. Because basically right. you're going to lose the fight. Yeah, so what's the point, right? So, I mean, I know it's very unfortunate. The situation's so weird because he got poked in the eye, like, 20 30 seconds into the first round mm-hmm. if that and this was a five round fight so i mean this yeah. isn't the type of fight to go for, essentially be fighting the entire fight with one eye with an opponent as dangerous as horiguchi that's just not a wise it decision makes no sense. and it almost yeah. it's like be trained to the fans because you're really not fighting under the 100 percent condition right i mean yeah, it's kind of like when uh pacquiao came out and said he fought mayweather with the injured shoulder mm-hmm. it's like what why would you do that? People wanted to see a healthy Pacquiao fight, a healthy Mayweather. Exactly. So, and yeah. obviously in a situation like that, it's a sport. It's not a pro wrestling. But I yeah. think many fans coming from the pro wrestling background thinking, oh, this is when you have to say, oh, I'll fight it, you know, and overcomes. You know, come on. You know? Well, then you also get like that weird Japanese spirit of like, they respect it when you like come on, when you like bear with it, when you like yes, fight through adversity. Yes. Yeah, there's even TV variety show called Endurance yeah. during the 80s. But <laughs> that shouldn't be the case. Like, you shouldn't have to fight a guy with one eye. <laughs> that shouldn't no, be the case. No, no, right. Plus, Horiguchi's not upset. Horiguchi knew it was an accident. Horiguchi yeah, knows exactly. what it's like to fight with a poke right. eye. So he didn't force anything. Right, and I'll give you the update. He, the Shinyu went to the hospital after that fight, and we thought the doctor thought there was a damage on his cornea, but ended up being no damages. So he will heal naturally, and he'll be okay in a couple of weeks. But yes. obviously, he was not in the condition to fight that night. You know, because well, even my wife noticed that like there's almost immediately like swelling going on in the eye. Yes, left yeah. like half of his eye was totally red. Yeah. And when he went back to the dress, uh, the medical check room, pre, you know, a post-fight medical check room, that's when he starts finally starts seeing a little bit. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. 
And by the way, a lot of the fans think that that was not the dressing room, so they think that to both of them are in the same dressing room. That never happens. I'm going to tell you the fans, even like a bus to the yeah. hotel, I mean, from hotel to the venue kind of stuff, there's always two buses, one for the, yes, one for the blue corner. So, of course, they're all separated. So, you know. Yeah, you go to a rising stuff. It's, I mean, I'm sure every promotion does this. There's the red corner, there's the blue corner. Exactly. And the mat room, room, everything, dressing room, we're all separated. It's common sense. It ain't yeah. like a circus troops. That they get together and have fun every night, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. So what's the other? Okay, so in this, I will say, thing... I think the one thing that he benefited from because mm-hmm. I don't want to be too critical, but I think the Bellator vert part portion of the card kind of underdelivered in comparison to the Rising portion of the card. Yeah, it seems like there's upsets here and there, and yeah. And so I think if this had been like the main event of the whole event, I think people would be talking about it more. Mm-hmm. But because the rising event happened right after this and had some kind of crazy results, mm-hmm. I think it kind of got buried underneath, which is good because we don't need Shinya taking a bunch of like unnecessary criticism. Exactly. Or, but you know. to this day, there are some um, hurtless people who sent Shinya a direct message criticizing him. So I, I hope. You can't read that stuff. Though. I mean, no, he's just going to get weird messages all the time. Right, right. Or comments on the Twitter, whatever that is. But that's, I don't think it's that much. But, you know, it's not, it's mentally disturbing Shindu. So if they could stop it, that'd be great, you know? <laughs> yeah. Now, besides this fight, I, I guess we really have to talk about the uh, big upset of main event. And also, I, I, main event wasn't upset, but let's talk about this Patricio Pitbull against Chihiro Suzuki. Yeah, this was, I don't even know where to start because, in my opinion, Chihiro Suzuki was brought into rising as kind of like the side piece of the potential yeah. lady right who also brought in yushi so she brought in like a host and she brought in like this pretty boy kickboxer exactly right and shihiro suzuki i feel like a lot of times was brought in to lose mm-hmm. and he just keeps winning <laughs> yeah. like these crazy but, situations you know i always pointed out from the beginning he had the pancreas mma experience and went to the right. kick- and came back so that you know that's actually he's pretty experienced so mm-hmm. let's not underestimate this guy i've seen that from the day one and you know mm-hmm. he fought one of our clients uh ran hiramoto and of course and you know everybody knows the results so this guy is not you know you can't underestimate this guy and i was talking to pitpool's coach uh, eric arbarshin in on the way to the bus full 30 40 minutes and I can do this right now. This was a last-minute fight, right? He took it on the last-minute notices. Oh, yeah, extremely last-minute. It was probably like four days' notice for both of them. Exactly, and, and obviously, he can't be in the perfect fight shape, and he really didn't have enough knowledge about the Suzuki. He didn't, you know, he didn't have enough time to study. So, you know, Eric said this: he has to purely rely on his fight IQ yeah. and try to fight with the striking. And that came to the, you know, unfortunate, yeah. you know, results. It was but, crazy. Because now I will, I do want to put it in some context. It was super amazing, but I'm not going to forget that Pitbull did step up a weight class for this fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think it was catch weight, but it's still closer to lightweight than his natural weight class. But still, exactly. nonetheless, Pitbull is a super talented fighter. And going into the fight, I was telling people, I think Pitbull should win this fight, but you can't discount the fact that Suzuki has knockout power. Exactly right. And if you have knockout power, you can beat anybody. 
<laughs> exactly. So I think he, I mean, I know she could have, would have, but he should have played the、uh, Toro and Neme game and take that kick down, you know?、Oh, yeah. No striking, you know? In a way. It's just a, just get rid of the risk. But again,、exactly. talk about it now, you know? Hindsight's 2020. But、um, I thought it'd be interesting because Suzuki afterwards, and you could tell in the fight, he kind of had this mindset of like, to beat Pitbull, I'm going to have to knock him out. Right. And to knock him out, I need to risk getting knocked out myself because、exactly. he was、right. throwing, he was off balance, he was throwing full power punches and、right. just hoping they landed. I'm sure he wasn't willing to go three rounds. He probably,、no. you know. Maybe well, didn't have cardio. <laughs> four days' notice. I think you made、right. exactly. Right. And I'm, I was just kind of curious if that Suzuki had fought Koike,、mm-hmm. I think it might have been a different fight. Right. But again,、mm-hmm. Koike is clever enough, obviously,、yeah. right? So he won't take that game plan, I think. Well, your client,、um, Sasaki, hit him really well. Oh, I know. I mean,、right. Koike is hittable, which is why、right. I was kind of curious what a more aggressive Suzuki would do. Mm hmm. Well, now I can reveal this now that Suzuki is actually supposed to fight Uruka. But on the last minute, you know, Suzuki.、Really? Yeah. So we've been waiting for this fight to happen and they canceled in the last minute. So I keep saying that what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And, you know, everybody thought that he was going to lose to Pitbull. So I was hoping Uruka can fight Chihiro in upcoming either September or October show. But now Chihiro won. So that's,、yeah. that's out of the question now. So. I'm not happy for Chihiro, but I'm,、uh, you know, I have to do something for Ruka, is the situation. You、right. In the lead、right. of this fight, I kind of have to tip my hat to Japanese Twitter.、Mm-hmm. They figured out everything almost immediately. They noticed that、um, Satoshi got pulled from a rising live chat. Yeah. And they were like, oh, interesting. Then they saw that AJ McKee hadn't left the US yet. And they were like, oh, interesting. And then they saw. Footage of Patricky Pitbull training,、mm-hmm. and they noticed that Patricio was also training in the background, right? And they were like, Oh, intro, they, they predicted like every fight that was going to happen ahead of time. So, Rising yeah, needs to do a better job. Social media, or give,、yeah. give you so many. I mean, you can solve、yeah. crime through social media, s right? Exactly, exactly.、Yeah. What the heck, right? I mean, but before we move on, you mentioned Sasaki. So, do you have any, is there anything going on with him that we should keep our eye out for? or...Oh, God, this show's on the, September 24th, and there's another one October 1st, and there's one in November, right? In outside Japan, Azerbaijan. So, yeah, right now I have a couple of fights to confirm from September 24th. And、uh, I can do this right now. I like to try to get Luca a fight, but, you know, I'm, I, you know it, it's、yeah. a negotiation. It's really hard, <laughs> you know? September 24th, that's the site of my Super Arena show, right? Right. And October 1st is Nagoya, you know?、Yes. So, Lambert. November 4th is Azerbaijan. <laughs> yeah, I remember it's Azerbaijan. I'm hearing that maybe five, five Japanese fighters will fight, so I'm trying to get that spot, you know. Very nice. We'll see. We'll see.、Right. Now, so let's talk about the main event, which is like all the Japanese fans are talking about. Haha. Keramov versus Mikuru Asakura.、Um, Keramov trained in Kyokuif Fight Club, where Sato,、mm-hmm. Kinoshita, and Aoki is now training. So I, you know, I talked to all of them. I, Get information, especially from Sato, because I communicate with Sato like almost every day. And,、uh, you know, Keramov is good, you know, but it's not like his wrestling is top notch. So it's not like a, he's a real dominating force in that gym. I always、uh, like to remind myself of that because Rising has been kind of putting him in these mismatches.、Mm-hmm. But you have to remember the Saito fight. 
right. kind of like put it in perspective. Right. So, you know, like Keramov was, you know, he Saito won that fight, right? But the Keramov was criticized for uh, doing Lazok or illegal moves. Well, not just that, but I just meant that in general, because they put Karamov against the guy from Pancreas, what a Nakajima? Nakajima, right, yeah. And but Nakajima was like upper weight class. Uh-huh. And just that just got destroyed. And then based right. off this performance, Karamov right. looks like a wrestling god. And I had to like, no, no, he's 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 just like a, he's good, but I don't think he's as no, good as he's not the wrestling god, but he's a good fighter, and obviously, yeah. and, and even that taking down on, on against Mikuru, that he went for the sh- uh, single leg, but he didn't really follow through first, expecting Mikuru to defense, right? right. Then right. held on to that leg and threw punches and took him down. So he, he was pretty good, very smart on how he well, did. He, he big brothered Mikuru. I mean, Mikuru was never in the fight. Nope. Once he got him down, he moved to full mount immediately. Immediately. And yeah. what's really surprising was uh, Mikuru's comment after that fight. It was he said that he thought it was only single leg was caught, so he thought that he could never nail the rear naked choke. But you know, I've seen so many fighter or BJJ guys who has nailed a rear naked choke from that position. So, and the fact that he so, didn't know that's possible, so I think he really needed to, you know. That's a weird comment because I've seen yeah. a good BJJ guy can get a rear naked choke without even going under your chin. He can get it from the side. Almost any position, so exactly. So I, it was a dangerous position. So I and he tapped it pretty quick. Yeah. And what really annoyed me was his comment about tapping. He said that these days the public has this perceptions of not tapping is not good. Therefore, I decided to tap. <laughs> I will say that's such a weird thing to say. It but is. It is weird. The, he also said something to the effect of. Um, but this was a kind of a devastating loss to him because mm-hmm. he'd never been beaten this completely before. Mm-hmm. And they wasn't able to do anything in the fight. Nothing. And, and I, this is like the first time, I think he said this is the first time he's never been able to do anything and he lost this just, what is it, like a flawless victory kind of thing right. to Karamov. Here's what it is, though. I mean, you understand he has never won any title in Japan, meaning no. he is a Shuto, Panther, so deep champion. So he's like probably not below that, right? And that's the level yeah. he belongs to. And most uh, people that are fans are willing to, most people that are fans of MMA acknowledge that of the two brothers, Kai is the better fighter. Yeah. And, uh, but you'd be surprised. General public of Japan, yes. there's so sure. many people who love Zidimikuru. I mean, I bumped into this taxi driver. Who spent uh, I mean minutes all through right talking about how he's you know he wants Mikuru to be successful, wants to be his world champion. And these diehard Mikuru fans, they think Kai is not a good fighter. They're like, oh Kai doesn't have a luck, he always gets injured, and blah blah blah. You know? So it's pretty weird. I think hardcore fans. You know why he gets injured? Him. He gets yeah. injured because he's actually training. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Exactly. That's part of the reason too. You know, I mean. You cannot, I mean, this is sports. If you, I mean, Mikuru obviously said that he only trained once a day or something like that, right? And he has a yeah. lifetime time for the YouTube, whatever. It's fine. But if, when the other guys are training two, three times a day, a day and we're doing once, I mean, it, the chances of you winning that competition is very slim. Well, it's I also mean, really weird that he flew out the Pitbull brothers to train with him as like training yeah. brothers for this. Now, let me ask you this Is this really true? Because, no, because. If it's true, it's stupid. 
because the Pitbull's style is nothing like Karamov. Why would you bring them out exactly. as your sparring part? I think Rising brought them out, mm -hmm. and he just offered them a spot to train at kind of situation. Right. Exactly. And uh, I think Bellator Rising had to pay for a fighter and two corner yeah. because that's a title fight clause. So that's three. Three, that's six. So I think in terms of flights, we're taken care of by a, a Bellator Rising. Yeah. Now, I think uh, lodging as well, because only the fight week, yes, it was they, they were taken care of. So off the fight weeks, like a week before, maybe Mikuru pay for their lodging and food. You know, But it doesn't mean he financed everybody to come here. I don't no. think so. You know, I really don't think so. Well, but think the, if the he did that, he would have paid for a different fighter. I think they were there for the Rising show. Mm -hmm. and Mikuru offered them a place to train, and that mm -hmm. kind of went, went down. So, yeah, so I think uh, some of the uh, coaches or maybe training partners were paid to come, whatever, but not the entire crew. I don't think yeah. so, which I don't really care, so I'm not going to even bother asking Eric about it, but I knew they were staying two weeks. Because Eric has contacted me about a month before yeah. the fight, and he was looking for opportunity to do seminars in Japan. While well, there's also it, it's also beneficial to the Pitbull brothers to train with yeah. Mikuru and get exactly. on his YouTube channel because I mean, one of them is now. Well, let's see. They were, I think, one, at least one of them hopes to fight for a rising title one day, mm -hmm. and they want to be. They, they, they kind of want to copy Juan Arcoleta and get copy in the Japanese popular in the Japanese mm -hmm. crowd. One way you can do that is by being in YouTube videos with Mikuru. Right. So so it makes sense, right? It makes, you know. So um, it's, I, let's hope, I, I'm pretty sure Mikuru won't retire after this. No, he won't retire because come back. You've, you mentioned something on a past episode that I think is worth re-mentioning. Mm -hmm. And it's that, like, uh, you're talking about how Japanese people, they, like, like imperf imperfect idols. They, like, people that are works in progress that are still trying. And I don't, at the end of the day, I don't think they really care if Mikuru wins. Yeah. As long as he's there. When I left the arena, it was pretty late. So I stopped at the McDonald's nearby. And I think 70% of the people inside of the McDonald's are wearing Mikuru t-shirts. Mm. And outside the venue, everybody was wearing Mikuru t-shirts. Mm -hmm. I, I went to go look at the merchandise booth during the intermission. All the Mikuru stuff was sold out. I mean, he's clearly the biggest. I mean, now that Tenshin's gone, Mikuru's clearly the biggest star in Rising. I even yeah. looked at the Google Trends and put it in an article. Mikuru was trending higher than uh, Rising. He had like exactly. twice the searches over right. Rising, so... You know, I've said this on like other podcasts and my show with Mr. John Saito and stuff, but I always hope, you know, Mikuru and Kai is the two rare case and they could probably finance the entire team to come here and do a fight camp in Japan. So it's like uh, my favorite rock singer, Yazawa, booking Doobie Brothers and all these guys to do film <laughs> in Japan. Same kind of thing. They should just do that. It would make him more of a star, right? It's like a different well, kind of star and this is a kind of approach. But I, I agree because. Mikuru tries to like put up that image of being like the super rich you know, exactly. Ferraris. What's more rich than kind of like flying out your own private team and doing your exactly. own big bear esque camp 
with a bunch right. of like killers. So I mean, like Yazawa drives Ferrari, he books Doobie Brothers, everything, you know, like do all the. He should do the same thing, you know. And and, and I think if he's smart enough, he should be able to negotiate that to let Rising pay for that. You know what I mean, kind yeah. of stuff. And they make a couple of YouTube stuff, whatever that is. Like, there has to be a way to raise the money well, for that. Now that Sakakibara is also kind of like obsessed with becoming an influencer himself, mm -hmm. I Obviously. feel like you can kind of like lean into that angle. So exactly right. So there's so many things they can work on. You know? <laughs> so I really think I hope they'll do that. You know, because it seems like he has too many commitments in Japan. So it's probably yeah. very difficult to be outside Japan for a long period of time. Right. So why not? Right. So yeah. We have a comment. One of the guys wants to know, is it time for Mikuru versus Ren? I can't comment on that, but I don't think so because this is not the time we should do this because Mikuru just lost. Yeah. What's the point? We've got to get him back to the winning track. Yeah. So I think that should be the way to do it. And then right now, I don't Plus, think Mikuru should that fight. If there's a Mikuru-Ren fight, you want to build up to it because that's going to be a exactly. huge fight. Yeah. And Ren is now currently in Egypt for some I mean, reason. I saw that. I saw, I saw a yeah. picture of him by the pyramids or something. Yeah. But soon, I I'm sh I'm should be able to announce where he's going to be doing the fight camp and all kinds of stuff. And I think oh, that's cool. going to surprise many fans. So, so it's, you know, please look forward to it, you know. And so... so I think we should also mention, just before the Super Rising portion is over, mm -hmm. there was kind of a crazy backstage brawl between Clever Koike and one of the... Yeah, brothers. I wasn't there because Shinyu's fights were done and I had to deal with it. Yeah. So, like, I don't know what happened. They just got into fights. weird. Well, apparently, it all... Somebody told, I think somebody in Mikuru's camp told the, the uh, Pitbull brothers that Clever was talking shit about them in Japanese on YouTube. Oh, really? And then they saw Clever was ringside because Rising wanted him ringside for the Chihiro mm -hmm. Suzuki fight. Mm -hmm. And he kind of like jumped up when Chihiro knocked out the Pitbull brother. So uh. they freaked out because they thought he was like rooting against them. And it kind of led to this whole interaction where they started shoving each other ringside. And then Satoshi brought Clever to apologize in the locker room, but Clever ended up kicking the guy in the chest. <laughs> so just, I think the uh, Pitbull team bonsai rivalry could be fun. Why did he bring Clever to the dressing room to apologize? Knowing him, he ain't going to apologize. <laughs> he, he didn't apologize. He didn't apologize, so it didn't go well. Oh I also don't God. know why he has to apologize. Just stay separate. Yeah. You guys aren't friends. <laughs> why is this going on? Well, yeah, but again, the rivalry is, I guess it's going to be something interesting, right, for the fans. Yeah. Well, be some good content for a rising confession video coming yeah, up. That's right. Oh, and also, I want to mention one more thing about this fight. Achireta versus Hiromasa, Ogi Kubo. Okay, I'm going to tell you this. I'm not talking about the fight. I want to talk about the status of Archuleta. The reason for that is, remember, Archuleta <laughs> is under the Bellator contract. And yes. it seems like... Oh, so Bellator... I'm glad you're bringing this up. I'm glad you're bringing this up because I have yeah. the same question. Right. Bellator has sold to somebody else, right? It yeah. seems like. I'm not sure. But now, if that happens, it, he's under the Bellator contract. And does this mean, can he come back to Japan and defend title? Right? Because... I was very curious because during the press conference, he was saying, oh, I'm the rising champion now. I'm going to be fighting and rising now. And the thought in the back of my head is, is PFL going to let him fight and rise in? Because he made it clear in the press conference, somebody asked him, he's still under a Bellator contract. Right. He doesn't have a rising contract. No, that same theory applies to Horiguchi too. 
Or did you right. cancel the Bellator contract? Now, if the PFL buys a Bellator, do they all have to go? If they all have to go, PFL will never allow them to fight in Rising. I don't think that's going to happen unless there's yeah. any partnership talk going. But I won't reveal it, but I know for the fact that Arch Leta can come back and fight. So there's a way, I think they negotiated in a way that PFL is not taking Arch Leta. Interesting, because I know that Archuleta, I think his management company is at least partially owned by Fukui-san. Mm-hmm. And so... Oh, man, and, I don't know if it's owned by, but they're like... In, in some involvement, some involvement of some yes. kind. Yeah. And so, and Archuleta's always taking pictures with Fukui-san when he's in Japan. Mm-hmm. So, maybe there's... A, no, it's maybe, really weird that Pancras, yeah. President Fukui is telling some of the fighters to actually spend their own money and go all the way to California and train under the Tiki Golson's gym and get do this audition to see if the Tiki will manage you, which is <laughs> zero sense to me. And so a lot of fighters... It actually, sounds like it might be a good reality show, but... Yeah, but <laughs> then why does fighter has to pay to go all the way out there to see if this guy can manage or not? I mean, That's any true. management company can analyze... There are fighters' fights, and they can talk to the fighter on Zoom. There's no reason well, to actually come all the way to America and train. Or you know, just bring train, Tiki, fine too, you know? Just bring Tiki to Japan and have him yeah, see yeah, everybody yeah. train. Even that, I don't think it makes any sense, but I have yeah. no idea what's going on there. But the fact is I'm hearing the Archuleta will be able to come back. And also, I can reveal this now, that Shinryu and Horiguchi, they were fighting in the, the dip fight and ended up in no contest. But even if Shinyu wins, we had an agreement to do a rematch against Horiguchi on New Year's Eve. So meaning, mm-hmm. I think, you know, there is some way that both Archuleta and Horiguchi will not go to PFL or will be able to fight in Rising even under the PFL contract or something. Something is being negotiated, you know? Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So it's very- after, in the press conference, Scott Coker said, like, he wants to do that fight again, but he couldn't do it for three or four months, mm-hmm. which would time up well with New Year's Eve. So, Right, so it makes sense. And three or four months, I wonder why he said three or four months, right? Because in three yeah. or four months, he may not be running Bellator anymore. Exactly. So, no, so, even that Bellator right, PFL stuff has even reached like Japanese ears. Mm-hmm. Because when I was at the event, Japanese fans were kind of talking about it. Mm-hmm. And Pitbull's been tweeting about it now, so it's seeming more and more real by the day. But hopefully this will be good for the MMA, you know? Mm -hmm. It's it's not good in the sense that one major promotion will, one less major promotions, because I want all the other promotions to do well. But that's, you know, know, it is what it is, right? So, So let's talk about this very sad news, which is Mr. Ryuya Iwamoto which is a Japanese name, ring name is Chan Liu. Now, he was supposed to fight in uh, July 27th shoot-off show. I think, hold on, July 23rd, I'm sorry, 23rd shoot-off show. Mm -hmm. And and he was cutting weight on the day before. And he ended up uh, collapsing on the street. I, I don't know the details so much, but... I saw a Facebook post from, I think, someone from his gym. Mm-hmm. And they made it sound like 
because he had missed weight in his previous fight, mm -hmm. he was kind of obsessed with not missing weight for this fight. Mm -hmm. So he was out doing road work and collapsed and died on the street and they didn't find his body mm -hmm. for a while. It sounds like they didn't find it the next day. Nope. So, yeah, that's really now, unfortunate. According to Shooter Release, it says that the note that his uh, gym head, head of gym, the chairman of gym, did notify to Shuto that that he passed away on after the show on July twenty third. Okay, right. and to all the way to the day they made a release to August first, they had the full week, right, to do something about it. At the Rising show on thirtieth, I actually did ask one some of the shoot officials, "Hey, when are you guys going to announce this? Because this is taking too long." Mm -hmm. One of the officials told me that, oh, Lumina is busy running army show today. I mean, he's busy running amateur show. And I mean, they're not announcing this for like six, seven days and they're running amateur shows. I mean, it's not that hard to say, you know, we're sorry about what happened and blah, blah, blah. And we will do anything. We'll research on what happened and do some, everything to make sure that prevent this from happening again. That kind of release is not that hard. If they do also, that... If a fighter dies, that should probably become the top priority. It is top yeah. priority. Not yeah. that running amateur a, shows on 60. One of your 60 amateur shows a year. Exactly. Yeah. Plus, right. they don't need to be. Those things will probably run themselves at this point. Now, it's sad that this happened, but it sounds like it's very similar to what happened to one championship, right? When he, right. That mm -hmm. unfortunate mm -hmm. incident happened. All right. We feel sorry for the family, all kinds of stuff. And on this shoot or release, they kept saying, please do not write anything on social media. Please do not write any articles. Just please leave them alone and make it quiet. That's all they emphasized on. Never mentioned the fact that they would do any researches or evaluations on different you know, perceptions to make sure to prevent this from not happening again. They are not willing to do any of it, obviously, because they're not announcing. So they basically told me to don't, don't, don't write. You know, don't even yeah. mention anything about it. Oh, he passed away. I mean, that is very heartless, I think. So well, I did that out on Twitter that, you know, you really need to see evaluate this from different perceptions. There has to be a lot of different causes of this. And I think one of that causes is that penalty crows they enforce on a shoot of fighters. Now, after I pointed out, almost a million people showed, saw my Twitter and, you know, over a thousand likes and stuff like that. And a lot of people posted like a copy of a contract and all kinds of proof. Now, I can tell this clearly. In Shuto, there are clauses in the contract says if you're in half pound, I'm half kilo over or one kilo over, you get this kind of penalty and that kind of penalty, you know, which is fine. It happens in the contract. But there's a clause in there that says that if fights gets canceled, and if you're the main card portion of the fight, you will be penalized 10,000 yen per 50 grams, which means if you're one kilo over, you'll be slapped at the penalty of a Nijuman, like 200,000 yen, right? No? Yeah. So that is about $1,500, right? That's $1,500, one kilo. If you're two kilo over, that's about $3,000 penalty. All right. Now, I'll give you a clear example. The same thing happened on the previous shooter show. There's a gentleman flyweight named Mr. Katayama 
Trump was supposed to fight in this show. He missed the weight, couldn't fight, fight got canceled. He was 2.7 kilogram over. All right. I have a proof that Katayama-san's fight purse for that fight was 30,000 yen, which is like a little over $200. No win bonus, none of that. But there's a clause on the contract where he could be penalized for like 5,000 bucks. You know, possibly. So what happened was he was 2.7 kilogram over. So that's 540,000 yen. Mm -hmm. So that's what, like 4,500, whatever. So he was penalized for 4,500. Now, what really amazes me is this. His opponent got a full purse. Of course, he made a weight. I'm okay about that. So that should be good enough, right? But on yeah. top of that, he has he's had the right to collect this $4,500. Now, when you have a contract to work for anybody for two, $300, and you have a possibility to get penalized for three, four, $5,000, is that a legit contract? Well, it, yeah. seems, it seems dangerous. Very dangerous. Because it's involving the health of the fighters. And I know that when we were speaking before, I said, this is not sports or athletics at all. But it kind of reminded me of the Domino's pizza case. Yes. Back in the, if you guys remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I'm old enough to remember that Domino's used to be like the biggest pizza chain in the United States mm -hmm. because they kind of, were the first people to really master the delivery. Mm -hmm. And it was all built on this 30 minutes or it's free. Right. And then what they found out was delivery drivers were dying because it turns out the pizzas weren't free. The delivery drivers were paying for them right. if they didn't make it on time. So then you have these delivery drivers driving insane because they don't want to pay for the pizza. Right. They want, and then they died. And Domino's had to pay the family like $79 million. And, exactly. Uh, you can't force people to be that type of situation, right? Because it, right. it will force you to do some extreme thing. And that's what yeah. I think going to happen. On, on I mean, I, for those that say that like that fine doesn't sound like a lot of money, I would stress, A, the Japanese economy isn't that good. People mm -hmm. aren't getting paid a lot. Mm -hmm. Most of these fighters are working like part-time gigs at like um, convenience stores or gas yeah. stations, exactly. stuff like that. And so this is a lot of money to them. Oh yeah, I mean, for any young people, if you get slapped yeah. with four, five thousand dollars like a credit card bill, you'd yeah. be like devastated. How, how am I going to pay this? Because right? for him, I mean, that might be several months' pay, <laughs> even even more. Yeah. I mean, when Mr. Katayama was slapped with his $4,500, whatever the fine, people around him started researching his own tuna fish ship, scallop yeah. fisherman ship, so he can be on the ship for like three months and earn money. I mean, come on. I mean, I just, you cannot think this is a normal. You know what I mean? It's, well, it's weird because it's just like, um, I'm starting to get on board with it. Just cancel the fight. Yeah. If you can't make weight, just cancel the fight. There's like this right. penalty stuff is kind of insane. I don't understand. I mean, penalty it. should be the person who didn't make a weight go home with no money. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they can't earn any money. They can't pay their managers or training partners or coaches or whatever that is. Or so they'll be in trouble. And and here's a point. I'm pretty sure Mr. Chan Liu was trying to make weight because he didn't want to disappoint fans or teammates or honor, all kinds of stuff before thinking about this monetary penalty, right? But there's no, of course, that, that has to be in somewhere back of his mind. 
And that has to be one of the reasons why he pushed himself to the point where he's not really supposed to. All right. It's just, yeah. oh, it's why was, there's a lot of questions involved around this because yes. why was he out there running alone? Well, I mean, why was he in Tokushima Prefecture on the day of rains? He was supposed to be in Tokyo, stepping on a scale. Why is he in Tokushima Prefecture? It's pretty far, right, from Tokyo. Yeah. Running in this high heat, supposedly maybe wearing sauna suits, whatever. I mean, what well, I have this. If I open my phone screen, mm -hmm. it has a message on it that says like heat advisory, like dump, like heat stroke, and all that stuff. Right. So. It has been over 30 degrees almost every day for weeks now in Japan. Right. So we're talking like 90s with the humidity. It is so hot outside every day. I cannot even imagine why he was out doing road work like that. Right. And on top of that, the, the fact that he was doing road work by himself. I mean, there's right. nobody else with him for the weekend. I mean, that's that has to be dangerous. So the, this question has to be asked to his coaches and his team. I think, no, do you I mean, think they're telling the truth? Do you think he died maybe the day before? And there's... I, I have no idea. There's no way for me to find out. And mm -hmm. But the, exactly, this is why I think Shuto took, should take initiative to do a little bit more research about it. Not just like, oh, let's leave them alone because they, they're in a, you know, the well, I mean, and stuff like that. They need to prevent this from happening again. It's to everyone's benefit. I mean, if it was the gym's mistake, Find that out and tell people. If yeah. it was Shuto's mistake, fix the problem. Like exactly. <laughs> address the issue. Don't exactly. sweep it under the rug and act like nothing right. happened. And the fact this penalty clauses and the fact they're not willing to do any evaluations on this case, all kinds of stuff. Is this something we could explain to a parents of a kids who is thinking about getting into the sport of MMA? I yeah. won't be able to explain to their parents that oh, it's common to get this kind of penalty. Oh, it's common to do I mean, come on, right? Let's give a kids a dream and hope to come to this industry. And this is not the way to do it. I mean, to be honest, if my fighter is going to be overweight, I would just tell them not to weigh in. Right. You just apologize, take the heat, you know? Yeah, just don't home, weigh in. Home. Right. Yeah. I mean, the fact is this. Is the good coaches know already. I'll tell you this. There's one opening on road to UFC on August 27th for the lightweight. Yeah. And I had this one fighter ready to go. Sean Sherpa's ready to take it. He wants to do it. But his coach stepped in and said, shoot, he's not going to make a weight. So not this time. I don't care if it's UFC or that. There's always the next time. I want to send him in a proper condition. I respect coach all the way. So if you're a coach and looking at the fighter every day, you should know if that kid can make a weight or not weight. or You know, you, no. you probably know a week before. It's and funny then, that you mention this because... I interviewed Mizuki for, for I already released part one of the article. I'm going to release part two, mm -hmm. a little closer to her fight. Mm -hmm. I asked her what the biggest difference in training in Japan and the U.S. is. Mm -hmm. And she said the biggest difference is in Japan, you don't have a head coach. Yeah, exactly. And There's no head coach. She said when she trains in the U.S., her head coach sees her training every day. Mm -hmm. He knows what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And this is what she told me. She said... He knows her physical condition. He's like, yeah, she's not, she's worked too hard recently, give her an easier day. Or she's not working yeah. hard enough, give her a hard day. Yeah. He knows all the issues going on with her. He's like essentially 
the Mizuki expert. He knows all about her physical yeah. condition, her mental That's condition. That's what the Ray Longo was. And he was well Exactly. That's what she said, Ray. And right. she said, that doesn't exist in Japan. In Japan, there's you go to a gym, there's coaches that you can teach you techniques, but they aren't paying attention to you. They don't know what your physical condition is like. They don't know what you need. Right. So kind of interesting that you brought that up. Yeah, I mean, they know the technique, how to teach technique, too, but many of them know how to teach striking technique only, but not yeah. with MMA, wrestling technique only, but not with MMA. You know what I mean? It's like there's nobody there that can fill that gap. I mean, not yeah. I wouldn't say nobody. There are some coaches who could do it, but the coaches can do it, but not by yeah. fighters themselves. And so mm -hmm. it's really hard to be a player manager from you when you're like 22 years old. Okay. There's no way that you were going to win athletic competition in that kind of training environment. Yeah, you so, need you need an older guy that's done this countless times. Exactly. To tell right. you what to do. And exactly. Maybe if he had a coach, the coach could have just been like a, I don't know a situation, but it sounds like what Mizuki was saying was Ray Longo just would have been like, you're not going to make weight. Right. This fight's impossible. Right. You're going to kill yourself kind of situation. Right. Or let's just not ready for this, so let's pass yeah. on this. And that's what they, they did for this case. I mean, it's it is one of the very handful of MMA coaches I respect here, and that's one of the coaches who made that decision. So I'm like, yeah. okay, fine. I'm not going to push you. And if he's not going to be ready, don't, right? Because the chance will come around again, you know? So I explain the honesty to Sean and everything's good, you know? This also reminds me of something. Do you remember on The Ultimate Fighter, when Ronda Rousey said making weight was like a mental thing. Mm. Yeah, in but, a way, because you can always plan, because you know two months ahead of the time, the day you're going to step well, in. Skip. She made it seem like you can just sit in a sauna forever. And mm -hmm. like, there's sometimes there's like this attitude in MMA that, oh, you're just mentally weak. If you just run harder or sit in the sauna longer, you can make weight, you'll be fine. And Shuto should do some research, find out, what actually happened and then right. maybe have a little seminar because they do so many amateur tournaments exactly maybe they could exactly. tell yeah. young fighters like don't do this this isn't right. what you should do proper way of weight cutting you know because right. it's so funny is when criticized about twitter some of the fans says that oh so are you criticizing weight systems are you denying the weight system there's mm -hmm. nothing to do with weight system there's a well, way for to do it properly you know i did notice you were getting a lot of flack from people that were saying uh, Shuto just look, you know, Shusan just looks for any reason to criticize Shuto. He never criticizes yeah, rising happened, or deep. Uh, right. Probably what happened with the Yamato Nishikawa, right? But I think it was I the. Um, on the record, I always pointed out the problem with Shuto from the days of Darren Uenoyama. Mm -hmm. So someday I'll reveal that. So it's been over like almost 15 years. And about this penalty clause on the contract i have been saying that this will cause some accident in the future for quite a yeah. time now already and it happened and you can't do it. i mean for the fact that shooter is not willing to to analyze what happened what are you going to let his family to do it or his girlfriend to do it that's so irresponsible you know i hate to be extreme but it's at the point where if like i was the lawyer in this case i'd be honestly questioning do you value money over someone's life Exactly right. Like, are you valuing? Are you putting people's lives at unnecessary risk just to make a couple thousand bucks? Like, what's right. the deal here? Right. And the fact some of the fans are saying that, you know, oh shoot, did you even send them a flower and <laughs> stuff? Like, I, I don't even know that person. It would be rude for me to send the flower. You're not. Like, you're in no position to do that. That'd be weird. No, no, that'd be weird. And on top of that, I will have to repeat this. 
they knew he died six, seven days before, but they went and did the shooter show and never mentioned nothing about that. If I was a shooter person, I would have done the release immediately and I would do that 10 count gong at the amateur shooter show and recognizing what happened, say sorry, whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. I would have done it on the very beginning of the show. I would never say, oh, I'm too busy with running an amateur shooter show. We'll do release later. <laughs> you know? I don't know, but I mean, my guess would be they knew about it almost immediately. Oh, yeah. I mean, on the release, they, they recognized the fact that they knew it after the, the, the 23rd and show. So. If I was them, Shuto show would have gone on as usual. Mm -hmm. A spokesperson would have gone up before the show started, announced the sad affairs, announced that he had passed away, right, and then say something to the effect of, hey, we're going to be looking into this and how we can help exactly. improve Shuto's Right. system going forward in the future. Right. And Mr. Babadu Jack, too, pointed out, I'm amazed Shuto still has fans to defend it. Hey, listen, not only the fans, what annoys me was there are a lot of coaches who defend that, that runs the gym. Well, that's, another, that's another factor. We, we talk a lot about the fine. There's so much behind the stage, stuff, behind the scenes stuff that goes on where there had to have been pressure for this fighter to think, I missed, missed weight in my last fight. Mm -hmm. If I miss weight again, Shuto might not give me another fight. Exactly. Well, who cares? They can go fight somewhere else. <laughs> I know, know? But I'm just saying, like, that kind of threat, I feel like, exists. That too, right. On top on the of Japanese the scene. penalty. Exactly. There's so much pressure, right, going on. It's really sad. And I'm going to mention this at the end. Co pay, uh, copy the name of the person on that release, which is a chairman of Shuto. Copy that, put it on the Yahoo Japan and research it and check his profile and tell me that person is suitable to be in this industry. I've always wanted to point this out since 2018 or 19, whatever, when he became a chairman. I'm telling you, please check. And that's really gives you another perception towards that promotion. Now, I would say this on the record. I want all the promotion to do well. So I'm not looking any promotion to fail or bankrupt any of that. I want them to do well and to be successful, right? Run the show healthy under the real safety guidelines and earn money so they can pay fighter a little bit better than $200. <laughs> so well, that's that's all to it, you know? Maybe this could be a fun contest for the listeners. Just mm -hmm. get the chairman of each of the Japanese promotions, uh, copy and paste their Japanese name and put it into Google. Mm -hmm. And maybe some of them have some interesting results. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm telling you. I mean, let's really look at it, right? I mean, it's you need to do that because we need to clean the sports in a way that it will provide a dream to the kids. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, we will have no future. I mean, yeah. Well, you, I'm glad about kids because such a big part of Shuto's image mm -hmm. is like amateur Shuto, mm -hmm. and they have like a lot of super young competitors. Mm -hmm. And so I think they kind of have an obligation to do things right. Exactly. I've been pointing this to the amateur shooter people. If they run amateur shows, they involve the kids, they have a responsibility and obligations to the public. I mean, they Period. have like four and five-year-olds doing amateur shooters. Exactly. I mean, they have really young kids out there. Right. So let's really look at it. I mean, this is a good time to make this industry better. And I'm not, I mean, please don't tell me that I'm using somebody's death to criticize promotion. I know. I am thinking that we should make things better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you know it's simple as that you know so 
Oh, God. It says, it seems like even the death of a fighter won't change Shuto's ways. At this point, what would need to be done for proper change besides posting CS? <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, they really should create the weighting rules, right? Obviously. Yeah. Maybe they yeah. should check the weight. I mean, I'm sure they do. But for example, like commissions of Atlanta Athletic Commissions, they ask all the fighters to do the video shoot of themselves on a one-shot and step on the scale, show the scale, and turn it into the commission. Like I think it was three weeks before the fight, kind of stuff. They should start doing that, and also they should make the rules that you are not allowed to cut the weight cut alone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have to do it with somebody else. And and everybody who's weighed in should be in Tokyo on their weigh-ins. <laughs> also, all the way far out in Tokushima. Shuto has such like a crazy network built up just by, by how long they've been around. Mm -hmm. It would be relatively easy for them, I would think, to implement right. a new way in structure. Right. There's so many volunteers and people that love and help out Shuto. Exactly. So yeah. why don't you take this as the, uh, I hate to use the word opportunity, but as a yeah. chance to make an organization better. You know what I mean? My intentions of criticizing what's going on is not to asking them to, like, hoping them to fail. I want right. them to do better. <laughs> you know what I mean? And this is the way that they should be doing it. So anyway, so at the end, let's talk about this. K1 Reboot. Because this is something that we have to talk about. That. I mean, is this making a big wave in Japan? I think the announcement that there was going to be an announcement made bigger waves. Mm -hmm. And the actual announcement itself seemed kind of underwhelming. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, because they kind of announced that K1, let me clarify, is K1 owned by the people that own Abima? No, here's, here's what's happening. K1 itself, the, the, the rights were owned by Mr. Mike Kim in Korea, which is a successful yeah. businessman. And M1 Media, which is the part of against sports and stuff like that, they, were, they had the uh, licensing rights to operate the K1 only in Japan. Pure right. recently, but recently, MR Media acquired the rights to 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 the run K1 event and entire world. So they changed that. I think status of licensee. So they are now can go step into the shows and anywhere in the world. So I think yeah. that they're they're trying to get back into the old days when they had the World Grand Prix. Remember, they had some Grand Prix, US Grand Prix in Vegas, US Grand Prix in Holland, kind of stuff. I think that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, they announced they have a new CEO now. Right, the and... new CEO is the guy who used to sell K1 uh, videos rights in Sony and stuff like that. And so, you know, those uh, legit businessmen. So let's see what's going to happen. But and, what's, um, the, what's the reactions of the Japanese fans? The reaction I noticed that's kind of funny was that one of the big reactions was that, I mean, one of the big announcements was that K1 and quintet are going to be kind of doing shows the same day yeah and it kind of surprised japanese fans because japanese k1 fans really aren't into grappling mm -hmm. and there's kind of like this is a combination that nobody wanted why is a grappling tournament being added on to the k1 show well i tell you this because the person who's running the show behind it is the, one of the guys who's running the show is mr yanagi sawa who mm -hmm. used to write hustle like the pro wrestling shows Okay. And he basically manages Sakuraba. Mm -hmm. So it kind of makes sense for him to join Quintet into K1. So maybe that's one of the reasons the deals that he did with the K1, you know. So if he's doing this, then I'm going to bring in Quintet. So 
blah blah blah. So I, I, I don't know what this is going to happen, but I was, do you hear are you hearing anything after this? What I did initially, but not really after. It didn't I mean I think K1 had to do something because they were losing mm -hmm. fighters and with Takeru moving on, they needed to do something big to stay relevant. Mm -hmm. And this going international is a promising approach. I mean, they had like an international commentary team. They flew Michael Shavalo out. My issue is they didn't announce what the international streaming, if it was going to be like airing internationally or if it's going to be available to international audiences because K1 is kind of notoriously geo-blocked. You can only watch it if you're in Japan. Right. So if they're actually serious about going internationally, maybe they should announce how they're doing that. Right. I, I think at the same time, Abema could expand outside of Japan to maybe at least Asia yeah. kind of thing. So that could happen. Who knows? You know, because they are heavily supported by Abema, obviously. You know. Right. Yeah. So, but at the same time, now we, there's a rumor of one championship coming to Japan in January, and they're like almost like a kickboxing event right now. So. <laughs> So we'll see, you know, it's going to be very, very interesting, but I'm not hearing any official announcement, you know? Yeah. Well, I think we have some comments. There's a press conference coming up and Babalu Jack kind of laughed and said, for a company that's stressing international competition, their biggest fight is between two 55 kg Japanese fighters. Yeah. <laughs> well, for now, so they're probably hoping to grab somebody better, but in terms of the kickboxing yeah. world, I'm telling you, one champion pretty much... One has a lot of top talents, you know? Well, it's... But I think it's the right... I don't know if they're doing it correctly, but it's the right move because... Yeah, with I think Takeru so. gone now and a bunch of their fighters leaving, mm -hmm. they had to do something. Right. And, and oh, just so, to mention to you that former producer now, Mr. Nakamura, is back writing for MMA Planet. So really? he's back to your peer now. <laughs> Actually, MMA Planet has some good interviews and articles. I like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have their own stuff, and it's very good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, but to answer your original question, I noticed people talk about it initially, but they seem kind of disappointed. I think they're just kind of surprised about the quintet announcement with it. Yeah, I think so, too. They're surprised, and it's probably kind of hard to swallow from fans' point of view. Today's young fans who's used yeah. to watch those, you know, K1 kickboxing fights only you now it's so all of a sudden Sakuraba and Maeda, which is they don't even know probably, right? Mostly young people and Quintet and stuff like that. So they're kind of a victim of their own propaganda because yeah. they made it sound like they're gonna have this giant announcement, which made people think like, oh my god, Heroes is back, K1's getting back into MMA. And it's just like, no, K1's gonna be doing shows at Quintet. Right. And we're going see we're going international and not to keep saying it but this reminds me of when sakaki bar had that weird press conference in vegas and was like i'm announcing rising stream pass it's going to be available internationally um, until i see some more details yes. i'm not going to believe this k1 international broadcasting news <laughs> yeah so Let's see. It's going to be very interesting because that's going to be a major rival to one. They're both on Abema TV, right, in Japan. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, Abema's also got to do something because Quinn, um, Abema's got some great programming and stuff, but Unext has been making a lot of moves. Oh, a lot of moves, a lot of moves. But yeah. I'm telling this couple of things. When Unext came in to, to penetrate into the adult video market in Japan, they did the same thing. They signed all these top adult video stars, 
putting a lot of money for last maybe first three years, and it went already you now. So they're only willing to, I think, invest in the beginning. I think. Well, and play the really, fifth. I don't know anything about the Japanese AV market. So. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I'm telling this one of the guys at the Unix told me this because I asked for the numbers, like, hey, so how's UFC numbers are looking? How's you know these numbers are looking? Because you know, like some of the UFC shows, there's no Japanese fighters in it. It's you know, yeah. 3 a.m. and stuff like that. So numbers are not that good, right? Obviously, but he told me this. Oh, we don't care about the numbers because. Almost 100% of the viewer comes from MMA will go to the adult video. <laughs> no, I'm That's what he told I watched me. a good MMA show. Time to crank one out and go to bed. It's about getting people into that community of you next. Yeah. It's not about the banging so good, good numbers um, in the show. It's a good like, you know? entry drug. It's a good, it gets people into exactly, the Exactly, right, right, exactly. So that, that's pretty interesting, right? So it's really that, interesting, yeah. All right, so that's it for today because I got to get going. So wait, wait, are you saying you could watch a Hodier fight on Unix and then go watch a Hodier video? <laughs> I don't know. About that. <laughs> I think that's what it is, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Couldn't help myself. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I guess we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Let's try to do yeah. it again. Yeah. Uh, let's do it because September is just packed with some awesome stuff. Yes. Um, Deep versus Black Combat 2 is going down. Yep. And then we also have the um, Deep Jewels 10th anniversary show. And, 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 and Rising. Right? UFC Singapore end of August. Road to UFC. So. Oh, can I, can I mention one thing before I forget? Yeah. And I want yeah. kind of your opinion on it. I was talking to my wife and her friends who are pretty big MMA fans. And they watched the Bellator portion of the card. And then they watched the Rising portion of the card. And mm -hmm. afterwards, they went, maybe I'm not an MMA fan. Maybe I just like Ryzen. <laughs> and, makes yeah, it's just kind of interesting because I don't think that's necessarily true. I think it's more that they like Japanese-produced mm -hmm. MMA better Yeah, because it's packaged more towards what Japanese audiences like. It's, it's very right. entertainment-focused. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing I heard from a bunch of uh, Rising fans. Right. I mean, okay. I, I heard that from the Pride days to Dream days. They say, oh, I, I'm a Dream fan. I'm not sure if I like that MMA. You know? Right. So, in kind that sense, actually, if there's a lot of fans are like that, it's a good sign for Mr. Sakakibara because even though Miku is a big star, a lot of fans likes Rising. So, even though without well, Mikuru, they can go through the Rising shows. I remember I studied at Wasada for a year and one and some of the classes I took were on Japanese culture. Mm -hmm. And like the, the rise of cute culture in Japan. Yep. One of like the big moments was when the emperor came out and these Japanese girls were like, he's so cute. And people were like, you don't talk about the emperor that way. But they're like, no, that's how young people talk. And it just reminded me of that because now all these girls, because I watch, I watch Rising with like six women, all these girls like, oh, Sakaki Bar is so cute. Look at him on, youth, on Instagram. He's posting that's pictures of fun. his food and stuff. And then. Fun. Sakaki so did like a giant book signing at the event, and there's like a line of like 500 people to take pictures Ooh. of Sakaki So his shift to influencer, he like released a book recently. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of interesting to see his shift as well. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you because I was just curious because it seems like Japanese casual fans realize now that maybe they don't like international MMA as much maybe, as they like Japanese MMA. Maybe they just like the Japanese product, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. I will say the Japanese 
watching a Bellator show and then watching a Rising show, the Rising show is significantly better produced in my opinion. Yeah, can't help it. <laughs> well, another Bellator kind of like we're not pro wrestling. This is MMA. Right, very focused right. on that. So it's same. Yeah, and the, the North America is like that. So yeah, yeah, it's too bad, really. I wish because I, I remember back when the UFC had that Conor McGregor. Chad Mendez fight. Right, right. They had the Sinedo Corner and stuff, right? Yeah. They made yeah. it special, and I kind of wish they did that more. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so... Sorry to ramble on. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Let's talk again in a couple of weeks. Let's do it. All right. I will talk to you later. Later. And thank you for listening, everybody, right? Yeah.